So there. So there. So there. So there. Let me know your thoughts. So there. So there. So there. Let me know your thoughts. Why do you keep saying let us know your thoughts? Let me know your thoughts to me is a nice lead-in for So There. So There. Welcome to episode 49 of So So There. there. No, wait, that was out of sync. No, it looked like we were in sync. All right, do it again. (laughs) Welcome to episode 49 of So So There. There. That wasn't in sync either. It was totally in sync for me. Okay, maybe something wrong with our sound. Okay, I'm Gary Doyle. And I'm Tom Karamitis. Hello, Tom. Tom's got a City of Chicago flag in his in his room. Odd, because he doesn't live in Chicago. Well, I'm in my son Brett's room. This is my home office room, and Brett has hangs two flags behind his bed: his the City of Chicago flag, and the Greek flag. Uh, interesting. Yes. Interesting. Chicago pride and Greek pride. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I thought you were going to say, for the second one, I thought you were going to say the green and yellow. Green Bay Packers. Oh, oh, no, you're right. Look, if you don't don't make fun of uh, the Packers, I won't make fun of the Arlington Heights Bears. All right? This is is an in-joke Tom and I have when we leave our voice messages for each other, which is how we communicate, never actually talking to each other. Tom likes Tom. I like to call the uh, you know the Packers refer to themselves as the Green and Gold, which is puzzling to Gary Doyle because they're they don't have gold in their uniform. They actually have yellow. So I make a point of whenever I refer to the Packers, calling them the Green and Yellow. I think it's a tone of light gold. I think it, <laughs> I think you can make an argument that it falls under the gold spectrum on the. Uh, what's that? Uh, no, it's gold. It's gold adjacent. It's like the yellow. We've talked about the yellow. We've talked about the yellow freight logo. It's it's called yellow freight, but if you look at the logo, it's actually orange. Maybe maybe you need to calibrate your monitors in some way, right? It's a PMS that's thing. That, Isn't that what that that's called? What yeah, the no, ma- PM- that's what the master. That's what the master producer says when he shows a rough cut in, to his clients and bosses, and and they don't like it, and he'll go. Perhaps you need to recalibrate your monitor. No, that's what I say when we finish a commercial and the we got a comment that came ultimately from the client's wife or husband who says, "Look, look, the, a couple the colors looked off on the air. What are you supposed to do then? How are you supposed to react to that? You know, <laughs> do you do you do you ask? You know, do do you do you color correct for your client's spouse's?" personal monitor at home or do you do it in a way that it looks correct i'm just saying maybe you ought to calibrate all right rather than criticize does does the does the client's wife ask the master producer to pay a house call to their home when the commercial's (laughs) running to perhaps calibrate their television (laughs) all my calibration equipment i would i would if i could but i can't but no, that used to be, uh, you know, that was more of an issue in the pre-HD days, you know, when we all had tube televisions that were all over the place. But I think the uh, the digital monitors that we all have now tend to be uh, much more, much more true. 
All right. Tom Karamitis will come to your house <laughs> to recalibrate your television if you are a client <laughs> of Tom Karamitis's. The other, the other thing about Tom Karamitis is he, he has a famous expression with commercials. If there's a problem, if, with the, if there's a problem with the cut or the shooting or whatever or the edit, if you can't fix it, feature it. That's right. That's right. It's the story of lifesavers, right? The, 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 ur, the, the urban legend was that when, when the inventor of lifesavers was, was trying, he was trying to come up with a, a candy or a mint and um, the machine or whatever he was doing it with kept putting a hole in the middle and he, he, he couldn't quite figure out why or how to fix it. So in the end, he just embraced the hole and called them lifesavers because it looked like a life ring. If you can't fix it, feature it. You know what would not be a good tagline for Lifesavers? What? Embrace the hole. <laughs> Unless you hole with the uh, with the W, right? W H O L E. Oh wow! Embrace the hole. Lifesavers. Embrace the hole. Can we? St I'd like to stay on the marketing thing for a second. You kind of made me think again, and I feel like we've talked about this guy, but I'm I'm uh, and and stop me if we have. I'm we, I don't know if we've talked about this in the pod or just in our voicemails, but the Simply Safe guy, right? He's this guy who dresses up like he's a cat burglar, right? He's got the mask on his head. He never actually shows his face, so he's a bad guy, right? To me, a cat burglar is a bad guy. He's a guy that comes in and robs your house. But uh, he's always hawking the Simply Safe products. So I don't really know what he is. You've seen the campaign? No, I haven't. Um, pretty, pretty much the only commercials that I watch on television are those that feature Lily from AT&T. And why is that? Talk about Lily. What do you like about Lily? Well, Lily is charming. Uh, funny, easy on the eyes, uh, and the commercials are generally witty and pleasant to watch. I also find Lily witty and pleasant to watch. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you watched the, or, or I shouldn't say watch, if, if you were exposed to the AT&T commercials with your eyes closed, I don't think they're as good as you think they are. I think, I think it's the Lily factor. I think you're perhaps smitten with Lily. And that's perfectly fine. I don't think they're that great other than, you know, Lily seems to be, you know, you know, a nice spokesperson and, you know, innocuous and, you know, pleasant. I mean, I put Lily in the category, a little bit in the category of, well, of Jan from Toyota, Toyota Jan, who I was realizing last night has probably been that on those Toyota dealer commercials for probably at least 10 years at this point. I don't understand the allure <laughs> and the continued appeal of Jan. I, uh, I'm not, I've, I've, I'm not particularly aware of Jan. I'm sure I've seen her a thousand times on Toyota commercials, but no, she does not. She does not stick in the memory like Lily and it perhaps, perhaps, I am a bit smitten, and right about now, it's good. It's a good thing that my wife has never once listened to one of my podcasts. Well, just this is this is this is a fact that's coming right. in handy. 
Okay. Right? But I would say... But she will not listen to this. I can say whatever I want about Lily. I think just acknowledging the attractiveness of another human being doesn't in and of itself <laughs> mean you've committed adultery. That's true. That's true. Um, I think the Lily thing, though, it, to me what's more interesting about Lily is, is, is the, the off-camera stuff that she actually directs those commercials. Mm-hmm. And all of the, the, the apparently there was a lot of there's a whole bunch of social media stuff that people were commenting on her on her body and her appearance. So she's the one who decided to wardrobe herself in this kind of nondescript, you know, gray, loose fitting blouse, and you know, she never, you know, very much like she didn't want people that to become a point of discussion anymore. Well, Tom, she does work for AT&T. She's a store employee in the ad. So what, were you expecting her to wear a bathing suit? In the, no, in the but I, th- I think she, uh, but I, I think I read somewhere that she was going to deliberately, you know, uh, you know, counteract all of that criticism by being as unobtrusive and non-distracting as she could be. I, I think in the early, and I should probably look it up, but I think some of the earlier AT&T commercials, she might have been dressed a little more stylishly, let's say. Then she Just say now. it, Tom. Non-sexy. What's wrong with being sexy? What's wrong I, with being sexist? There's nothing wrong e. with that. Sexy. <laughs> Sorry, it's another Spinal Tap reference. Um, you probably don't watch much of the NCAA tournament. You're not a fan of college basketball. But there was a, there was a two-thirds excellent Lily commercial recently on the, on the basketball tournament, which had Mike Krzyzewski, the coach of Duke. Two-thirds excellent. The first 20 seconds were like, this is great. So witty and so well-written. Then it kind of fell apart at the end, literally. Like the third verse of the song fell apart. It's a little like Pink Houses with John Mellencamp. Two first, first two verses, very good. Third verse just kind of fell apart. Anyway. What made it? Uh, was it in the store? Was it... Uh yeah, I was in the store, and it was a, a self-referential thing about he won't know how long he'll be in town because of the tournament. He may only be around for another couple of weeks. And she said, well, this deal will last. And he said, well, I may not be here then. And it was very cute. And it was an, it was a it was referring to his tournament time, right. how long it'll, it'll last in the tournament. And it was, he's going to retire. It, it was it was charming. So there. All right, I have a, I have an odd, an odd observation. Um, there, uh, and and I put this under the topic of um, blind obedience in our society. There is a, uh, you ever seen um, um, signs over near parking spaces that are like kind of vanity parking spaces. In other words, there's there's not a handicapped space, but some local business puts up a sign by the parking space. Right, there's a one near our house. And the, the, the sign says, this space reserved for expectant moms. Now, 10 years or so ago, there used to be a maternity store in that strip mall. And they put up that sign. Well, that store has been gone for about nine years. Yet I still notice every time I drive by, no one parks in that space. There's no, you know, there's no indication that it's, that, that it's like a police thing or anything. But just people are so obedient. So I, of course, blow through that at every opportunity. I park right there. But I just kind of thought, you know, this is kind of just people blindly being obedient to any sign anyone puts up anywhere. You parked in the expected mom spot? Yes. yes. 
Was was Kristen with you? No. <laughs> I mean, if it was a spot that said like, you know, parking for Bears fans only, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'll park wherever I want. I mean, I'm not going to park in a handicap space, but you know, I don't get it. The thing about a sign that says parking for expectant moms only is I think that literally 80% of women, American women who park in that spot could probably pass for being inspected mothers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's not a comment about women per se. My, my comment is that most Americans are fat or overweight. Well, so you could get away with that almost, I'd say, the vast majority of people. I could create a sign and put it on a preferred parking space and it would say, parking for fans of so there only. <laughs> it would always be there for me because I'm one of our two fans. We could have the art director of the pod, Jim Fur, create a sign. You know, Mr. Shout, our, our logo man, we call him Mr. Shout in our so there logo, could actually be barking that out of his microphone. <laughs> parking for so there fans only. So there. But yes, uh, but yes, there there is a lot of obedience here. You are correct. You could you could put any sign up you wanted anywhere, and people will obe- will obey it. I think the I think the majority of people would probably just give it just a quick glance and say, "Oh, okay." And they're not going to think that much about it, but they're just going to move on to another space. Right? They're going to figure, why take the chance? I don't know if this is some kind of reserved space for somebody, but that's, you know. I, as far as I know, you know, everybody, everybody seems to obey the, the handicap spaces, and I'm not going to get into it, but I just think there's far too many of them, given, uh, in the, at least in this part of the world, uh, this part of the country, I, I find like, you know, there's. I feel like maybe 10% of the handicap spaces are, are used at any given moment. But the handicap lobby must be very, very strong. I mean, I imagine it's part of the zoning requirement, right? When you put up a strip mall or, or a Home Depot or whatever, X, you know, all those closed spaces, a lot of times Costco, you know. I'm, I'm going to take an unpopular opinion here. There are too many handicap spaces. So some, if you go to a mall, let's say, a big place, a mall or something, there's, there's a good eight, like, handicap spaces at the beginning of the row. You know, there's a lot, and invariably none of them are filled, maybe one. So every, every place should have a handicap parking space, but I think eight or ten might be excessive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I will say when I visit relatives in, in California, I go down to like Orange County and, you know, it's, you have a lot more older people there. Uh, all of the, a lot of times, all of the spaces are taken, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I wonder, is it, is it some kind of national zoning requirement or, you know, I mean, I feel like it should be based on perhaps the, the percentage of people of retirement age or, or handicapped age or no, handicapped age. That makes no sense. But you know what I mean? I wonder if it varies geographically, you know, different parts of the country. I don't know. But in Orange County in Florida, they, they should probably have the reverse. They should have signs for non-handicapped or old people. And there'll be like four of those, <laughs> and the rest of them will be 
for for the olds right yeah and those four spaces will be about 650 yards away from the store entrance i have an idea for a sign tom no parking for people with an any navel <laughs> and i would almost you, bet you the people would obey that i know if you have half the people won't park there the people with the audi navel will go oh okay great i'm in luck here wait <laughs> let me check Oh yeah, it's an Audi. Great. I don't think you should. I don't think people can be should be uh, trusted to check their own. I think there should be somebody that's hired that has to <laughs> monitor that. You know, do a quick little shirt lift before you walk in the store. So there. Well, as many of you are aware, are probably aware, the Oscars are tonight. You're probably listening to this today, Sunday, March 27th. Uh, the Oscars are tonight, and I like the Oscars. Uh, my wife and I enjoy, my wife Lisa and I enjoy watching all the movies that are nominated for Oscars, and we have watched all of them. We watched the last one last night, Belfast. Uh, and so on the uh, day of the Oscars, Gary Doyle, would like to offer his thoughts on the 10 Oscar-nominated best movies in a segment we call... Lightning Round! Okay, Lightning Round on all the nominated movies from from uh, least liked by Gary Doyle to most liked. Now let me uh, quickly address a bigger trend in movies, at least Oscar-nominated Best Picture movies this year, and that is movies that aren't movies. Movies that have no plot, no particular point. Uh, it's two hours of kind of scenes cut together, and then the movie's over, without any kind of discernible reason for being. So this seems to be a thing in movies. Also movies, I think we maybe talked about this on the podcast, are too long these days. They're all too long. It's, it seems impossible for movie makers to, to make a movie under two hours and 15 minutes so bigger trend let's talk about the 10 from worst to best uh worst power of the dog i remember nothing about this movie probably because nothing happened nothing uh uh ninth worst licorice pizza i love paul thomas anderson the director one of my favorites uh loved boogie nights really liked there will be blood licorice pizza not a movie no plot a string of scenes cut together for two hours and then the end comes up. Uh, seventh worst, drive my car. Three hours about somebody driving another person in the car, practically. Uh, another movie that's not a movie. Um, sixth worst, West Side Story. This may come as a surprise to some of you. Steven Spielberg. Have never seen the original West Side Story, but found this kind of boring. As our friend... Ned Crowley once called a commercial idea an explosion of people and dancing. Uh, number five, worst, don't look up. Brilliant idea for a movie. Asteroid hitting the Earth as an allegory for climate change and people kind of ignoring it and thinking, ah, oh, whatever, who cares? But way too broad for effective satire. Compare it to Spinal Tap, which is satire. I, I prefer my satire subtle and witty way over the top um uh third uh, fourth fourth worst king richard about the williams sisters i don't like the williams sisters i never have 
I don't like Richard Williams, their dad, so I was predisposed to not like this movie, but it was okay. Kind of what we, what we used to call TV movies, like an after, ABC After School special. Perfectly serviceable, but nothing special, not Oscar material. Not bad, perfectly competent, but nothing memorable. Will Smith was good. Okay, Dune. Well-crafted sci-fi, didn't know what was going on. Too many planets and emperors and battles. But pretty good. Nightmare Alley, worth a watch. Unsettling, strong ending, beautifully crafted, beautifully shot. Good movie, Nightmare Alley. Belfast, second best movie. Charming, saw this last night. Charming, uh, enjoyable. An hour and 30 minutes. Thank you, Kenneth Branagh. Thank you. Finally, best movie of the year by far for Gary Doyle. Coda. Coda. Wonderful story. Expertly made. An actual movie. With an actual plot and people you actually care about. Uh, I was moved by it. I, I was charmed by it. It was funny. Uh, uh, highly, highly recommended by Gary Doyle. I think it will win the Oscar for Best Picture and I hope it does. I think it's the Best Picture of the Year. Coda on Apple TV. That's Gary Doyle's lightning round of movies. I uh, I haven't seen any of them. I was going to see the Williams. Not surprising. I was going to see the Williams sisters movie, and then we didn't. We couldn't find it near us. Let me ask you a question about that one. Was was that done with the the uh, the cooperation of the Williams sisters? Was it basically a vanity piece? In other words. Clearly, yes, it was, to answer your question, and, and even more so because they are both portrayed in the movie as perfect little angels. They're teenagers in the movie, but they're perfect. They're just giggling little happy children. So clearly they, they saw that they were portrayed that way, which makes sense since they're complete narcissists, Marie, Venus and Serena Williams. They don't whitewash um, Richard Williams, the dad, who, who was flawed in real life. Um, to put it nicely, and they they don't sidestep those flaws. He is not a perfect character, um, so you know his his issues they do not shy away from. Uh, is I he still, still living? Yes, okay. yes. Um, I I still don't like Richard Williams, and I remember some of his antics when the girls were coming up and they were famous, and he was quite a bore. Um, but uh, Will Smith is good. Will Smith is probably going to win the Oscar and deserves it. He was very good in that role. But I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't like the family, and I never have. I have trouble uh, mustering enthusiasm, even if I'm interested in in, in the people of uh, those those types of movies. Uh, when I when I realize that it may have very well been a you know kind of a vanity piece, like I remember, wasn't there a similar thing? Didn't Elton John wasn't there a movie about Elton John a few years ago, and it was he was similarly very much involved? So you kind of know going in, okay, you know, rose colored glasses and and the whole bit, but. Um, Rocket Man. Yes, thank you. About two months ago, Kristen, my wife, announced that she is going to wants to see all of the Oscar-nominated movies uh, before the Oscars. That was her goal. And I asked her last night how, because I'm not much. I don't like to go to movies that much, as you've surmised. And I asked you her don't how, you don't participate in popular culture. I'd venture to say you don't you don't go to movies. You don't listen to music. I don't know that there's don't a lot of music that was recorded after 1974. I, I don't true. think, I don't know that you watch that many television series. I, I think it's safe to say that Tom Karamitis is a bit of a, a, uh, 
a, a recluse, a bit of a culture phobe, perhaps? No, I'm just my I'm just much more selective. Tom Karamitis watches his own commercials like <laughs> Leslie Dector used to do in his office over and over again. Uh, Coda was what was Coda about? Coda was about a deaf family that communicated with each other through sign language. Ah, that's right. And um, you know they they have a fishing business. They're not very well off. And one of the daughters gets an opportunity. She's a talented musician. She gets an opportunity to go to a high-end music school. And it becomes the struggle of whether to leave her family, who relies on her, you know, to pursue her dreams. So it sounds it sounds saccharine, but it's a, just a lovely, lovely story. And the actors are all deaf. Um, I think most of the main actors are. Um, but really, really good. Well, we will see. We will see how your predictions come true as we are recording this uh, before the Oscars. So, we shall see. We'll recap it on episode 50. This so You did this last year as well, I think, didn't you? You did a kind who, of a... Who can remember what we did last year, Tom? Y- you know, I realized last night, our pod is coming up on our fifth anniversary, five years. Five years... I didn't know that, but I did know our next episode was the 50th, yes. and we we have something special planned. We don't know what that is yet, but we, we are going to do something special. Rest easy. It will be, it will be what do they used to call it on NBC? Uh, appointment television? <laughs> appointment podcasting. Appointment podcasting. One more thing I wanted to, uh, it's been on my mind, I wanted to bounce off you, and, and I, I think this is just a real quick thing. Uh uh, because I think it's self-explanatory. But I think, uh, have you ever looked at the Airbnb logo? Uh, yes, but I've not studied it carefully. I think you should study it, because to my eye, it is. Uh, it basically looks like uh, the male anatomy, or at least a portion of the male anatomy. All right? I'll leave you with that. No, hold on. I, I need to look at it now and see if I agree with this. <laughs> I think that's a little bit of um, projection. I don't know. By Tom Karamitis. I don't look at it. You didn't have to think about it very long. I saw your reaction immediately. <laughs> I can't stop looking at it. How did you get to that from? I felt very inadequate with the Oscars. I had nothing to contribute. I felt kind of emasculated, so I needed to pivot to something more testosterone-loaded, which apparently is the Airbnb logo. (laughs) Well, now that I'm looking at it, I can kind of see that, and I also think it's a bit inadequate, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so there. <laughs> well, Gary, as we alluded to earlier, we are coming up on five years since we started this podcast, and uh, 
We haven't quite figured out what we're going to do next time, but we have to do something special for episode 50. Appointment listening. And after, I think what's pretty impressive is that after five years and almost 50 episodes, we keep finding things to talk about, like logos that look like wieners. (laughs) (laughs) uh, We've toyed with the idea (laughs) of someday adding a companion companion podcast to this one. When Gary and I are long out of our industries and have nothing to fear and can start naming names (laughs) and other things, we thought of doing a companion podcast called So There After Dark. Which would be, which perhaps would get a, uh, one of those explicit ratings that they used to have on record albums that, that artists would hate because it would meant that they couldn't be played on the radio or something, but perhaps so there could remain free, but so there after dark is something we charge a subscription fee for and see if we can, <laughs> if we can supplement our, re- our retirement income. Yes. <laughs> see if we can monetize this and we can talk about things like, like logos that are suggestive and, and, uh, names, names of people in the industry that we don't like and, uh, all kinds of things we could. We could have Mr. Shout, our uh, our logo spokesman, wearing a codpiece. <laughs> it could be so there after dark. Then the little subhead underneath that would say, "We name names <laughs> and logos." <laughs> so until until next time, until the the great gala that will be episode 50. For Gary Doyle, this is Tom Karamaitis saying, So there!